0: I, 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 we missed last year because of COVID Sharon and I both come down with it and we wanted to come miss this one in the next conference we're going to which is over in Alabama we'll be there the first Wednesday and this next month whatever month this is uh, March so pray for us about that got two or three things I want to say before I try to preach just a few minutes I told him I got 15 minutes I may stretch that a little bit to about 20 because i got a thing or two I want to say. Just a tidbit that I run across talking about the cross and the blood. Did you know the two-phrase word, the blood, is mentioned in the Bible 196 times? The two-phrase word, the blood. Did you know that the two-phrase word... The cross is mentioned in the Bible 18 times. Now listen to me. I'm talking about the real Bible. You add that together, that's 178 times. Now watch what I'm fixing to tell you. I just learned this not too long ago. I'm not a mathematician. I can count to 10. I can count beyond that if I take my boots off. But they're so hard to get off nowadays because i got too old. I can't reach my feet. Well, some of us understand that won't we, yeah, brother. We okay, I told Brother Wayman, I sure glad he showed up, and he said, "Why? Because I'm you're not the ugliest one here anymore." I said, "No, I'm still the ugliest, but at least I'm not the oldest <laughs> preacher on the program." <laughs> I was here for the first three or four, five years, the oldest preacher on the program. But anyway, uh, the the, the two phrase word Jesus Christ, the two phrase word now. Not not with a possessive, but just the two phrase word, Jesus in his purest form, Christ, is mentioned in the Bible a total of one hundred and seventy eight times. No, one hundred and ninety six times I'm talk, sorry. Now, did you get what I just said? The blood one hundred and seventy eight times. The cross, 196 times. The blood, when you hear about the blood and the cross together, it points to Jesus Christ. Yes. That's in the Bible, numerically. That ought to blow your mind. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the real Bible. You don't find it in the other perverted versions. You cannot find it there. Uh-huh. Now here's the second thing I wanted to say. A fellow by the name of Frederick Joe Sampson III, a black man, come to the Texas Southern Baptist of Ken, Texas Convention Evangelism Conference. Near, nearly thirty years, well over thirty years. I've been here where I'm at thirty-five years now, and it was before we came to East Texas. And he was one of the preachers. This is what he said: "He said, I know why y'all got me here. You want to have some color in this place. But son, did he ever preach, Pastor?" De- First Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, yes. and uh, he said one afternoon, around noontime, he decided to go to lunch and decided he'd walk. And he started walking to the restaurant that he was headed to, and a cloud came up and started raining. So he took a shortcut through the alley, and I'm going to just say it the way he said it: took that shortcut through the alley. He said, now, we go through the alley where I live, it's kind of scary. And he was a little nervous about all this and he heard a loud racket and he jumped and turned and looked to see what was going on. Didn't know what was happening, but he saw that a cat had jumped off of a garbage can, turned it over, made a lot of racket. He saw where that garbage can was up against the wall, a tulip in the alley in Chicago, Illinois. And he started talking to that tulip. And he said to the tulip, tulip, what are you doing here? (laughs) And this is what he said. He imagined the tulip saying, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. All I know is I'm going to bloom while I'm here. Now I don't know why I get to be at a preaching conference with these guys. But I'm just going to do the best I can with what God gave me to do. I brought about eight or nine sermons. And I thought I'd preach every one of them. Amen. When one preacher got through, said, I'm going to preach that. And then another preacher got through, and said, I'm going to preach that. Then another. But this is what I had in mind to preach before I ever left home. And so that's what I'm going to go with, Amen. I think. And I'm glad I got here before Brandon Harrell, because he's going to preach the same thing. He's going to straighten me out when I get done. shouldn't take us long. I'm going to preach on the doctrine of eternal security. I'm going to do it differently than most folks would do it because it's been bothering me. Now, I don't know if it bothers you all or not, but I like to get things right. I believe in reading the Bible, paying attention to the words, and the words mean stuff. Yes, yes. Did you hear what I said, words mean stuff? You, you need to pronounce the words correctly and it doesn't does matter whether you interchange words or not. Now, I'm have, in my older age, I can't see good. So I have a lot of problems. And from that, there's my sounding board and I look up and she'll say, I said, did I say that wrong? Then I had to go back and reread the words. But here's an eternal doctrine. You've heard this phrase, once saved, always saved. And by the way, that's truth. But here's the problem. It becomes a quaint little saying and it gives people an excuse to do what they want to do. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> I'll give you a little bit of a testimony. I had two sisters. One was 14 years older than me and the other was seven years older than me. The 14-year-old sister died before the seven-year-old, one that was seven years older than me died. But we all grew up in church that I can remember. My oldest sister, I believe, got out of the sorts with the Lord. She finally got right with God and was serving God when she died with pancreatic cancer. My next sister got lung cancer. She supposedly got saved when she says, I don't remember that happened. That's before I can remember stuff. But she made a profession of faith and was baptized and joined the church. But from the time she was married, the first time she got married when she was about 15, until she died, she never was very faithful in the church. There was a period of time, they went for about two or three years. In fact, she was a member of the church I pastored for nine years and came twice. I think maybe twice. And I was over there nearly every Sunday trying to get him to come and talk to them. And then she got cancer. By that time we'd moved in different places and I'd go by her house and I'd talk to her about her. Oh, I know I'm saved. I talk to him every day. But I had to preach her funeral. Now, I did not preach her into heaven. Now, listen to me. I did not preach her into hell either because neither one of those is my responsibility. <clears throat> but after it was all over, one of the young ladies that she, my sister's name was Bobby. And this lady she went to school with and high school and stuff. They lived together. They lived even as, with their husbands and they lived at the same house for a spare. Her name was Robbie. And she got to where she served God and was faithful. I had seen her numbers of times at a church and another Baptist friend of ours was pastored. And she was there and after it was all over everybody else was gone. She came to me and said, Do you really think she went to heaven? And I had to be honest. I said, Well, it just didn't look good to me. Right. Right. I don't know. Because see, and this is what Robbie said, but yeah, but what about once saved, always saved? I said, There's no Bible doctrine for that. Well, what is it the Bible doctrine? It's called eternal security. Right. Now I'm gonna help you with that. To the very best of my ability. You got three points. I'm, gonna, I'm taking my text now, I and mean, this is just a springboard, somebody says, and I don't do this very often. I'm a line upon line type preacher at home. I've been preaching through the book of John since October 2021. Is that correct? 250 sermons plus the A's and B's that go with them. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you that's the way that I do stuff. A lot of people don't do it that way. But, uh, this is a little different. So here's my text. If you'd like to stand, I'm going to read ver- Jude. I call it chapter 1 because that's what all the uh, uh, internet people, things call it, Jude chapter 1. It's just one chapter in Jude, but it is chapter 1. It's not wrong. It just may be a little redundant, but it's not wrong. Verse 1, this is what the Bible said. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James are them that are sanctified by God the Father. Now, what's this word? And preserved... In Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for the Bible. My desire is that I be an honest, faithful minister. I don't want to be a legalist and I don't want to throw cold water on stuff, but God, this is on my heart and I pray that you'd help me. open our eyes and ears and heart to the understanding of the things of God. If you don't do that, I'm like Brother Daniel prayed, talked about, we need to call on the Spirit. And I'm calling on you, Lord, to send the Holy Ghost to do a work among our hearts and lives. You get honor. We want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to edify the church, but we also want to evangelize the sinner. Help us to do that. You get honor in it. In Jesus' name I pray. I'm gonna skip a bunch of this introduction and get right to my points. I got three points in a poem. Now it's been a long, long time since I was here and shared my poem with you. I finally shared it to Second Daniel back there. Y'all know there's three of those Daniels. Your daddy was a Daniel, right? They got a boy that's a Daniel. That's First Daniel, Second Daniel, and Third Daniel. That's I well, that's how I say it. And uh, you know, just so I can keep it straight. That's got a lot of Daniels. But anyway. Uh, I shared my point with him the other day, and I had a hard time I learned it when I was in the eighth grade the first time yeah. that'll you' okay yeah. Yeah. when I was in the eighth grade the first time yeah. that's about I got a official eighth grade education. Yes, I passed it the second time I went to the ninth grade twice. I quit when I was in the ninth grade the second time and moved to Missouri to finish up in the ninth grade. They called me into the office in the summertime and said, hey, you can't go on to the 10th grade. You've got to go back through the ninth grade. You don't have enough credits to pass. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go home. I got home. My mama taught me into going back to the high school and enrolling in the 10th grade. I did. And they took me in the 10th grade the first Grading period, six weeks. We graded in six weeks. They called me in the office and said, you can't be here. you got to go back to the ninth grade. I said, I'm not going to do it. Oh, you got to. I said, no ma'am, I don't have to. Here's what I'm going to do. You give me a little piece of paper and I will go around and get all them teachers to sign that off. I don't have no books at home. That was just not one of my traits. I don't have any books borrowed from the library. I don't even know where it is. I didn't borrow any money from the lunchroom. I ate mine out of the Coca-Cola fountains, cans, uh, uh, machines there in the, in the hallways out in the gym. And so if, just, if you don't, I'm just going to get in my car and go home anyway, and you'll never see me again. And that's my career. And so I left it. Now, this is what I wanted to do. I was going to join the army because I didn't want nobody telling me what to do. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you, that's how smart I was. Yeah. And they wouldn't take me what I wanted to be in, so I didn't. I just wait, and let them draft me. Well, in the meantime, I got married. Talk about nobody telling you what to do. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to explain to you the difference between joining the army because you don't know nobody telling you what to do and getting married because you don't want to tell you. You can't at least get out of the army. Yeah. Yeah. 57 plus years, I, I tell her ever so often, I said, you're not the boss of me. Who died and left you in charge? And that hadn't fazed her not that one single bit. Here's my three points. I got them. But I was going to tell you my poem. Here it is. As a beauty, I'm not a great star. And pretty, I'm not by far. But my face, I don't mind it because I'm behind it. It is you in the front that I jar. What does that got to do with the Scripture? Nothing, but that's the only poem I know. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my first point. And this is a controversial point. I think all of these are controversial, but here's my first point. It's a controversial point. Security of the believer begins with predestination, which is essential to sovereignty. You cannot choose Christ until or unless he has chosen you or called you now if he has not chosen you he's not calling you I don't understand all of that it's over my head it's completely over my head but just got a verse or two of scripture for reference to you and that'll help you I think if we'll just pay attention to the Bible here's one of the things that helped me with this I read Arthur Pink on the sovereignty of God I throwed it in the trash cans 50 times but there was something he kept saying. It was not, you'll say, well, Arthur Pinkston wanted to convince you to be a, believe in the doctrines of the sovereignty of God. No, no, it wasn't. But it was something he said, and this is what he said. He kept saying this over and over and over. He said, It's in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? It's in the Bible. Read your Bible. It's in the Bible. So I'd get the Bible out and read it. And sure enough, there it is. Plain as it can be. Ephesians chapter number one, beginning with verse number three. I'm just going to skip to verse five. Look at verse five, the last part of verse five. This is what he said. I'm going to read the whole thing. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Yes, sir. See, that's the sovereignty of God. Now, if you're gonna be saved, the first thing you're gonna to have to have happen in your life is that you have been predestined. Now, watch this next phrase. To the praise of his glory, of his grace. Now, here's what he's done. He's predestined us under the adoption of children. A lot of my friends don't like that term adoption. They think it has to do something with besides our conversion. Say, no, you're not adopted, you're born again. I understand that. Regenerated but the only reason I'm regenerated because sometime before the foundation of the world, God began an adoption process spiritually in my life. Now, I didn't understand all I knew about that, and I still don't. The more I understand, the more I study, the less I understand. I've come to that conclusion. Maybe y'all are better than that, but that's where I am. But look with me in Galatians chapter number four. Now, you can do something with this or whatever you want to, but here's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter number four. I'd start with verse 1, but I'm trying to get this down so Brother Brandon will have lots of time. But when the fullness of time was come, did you know whoever said God was a timely Christ, our Savior was a timely Savior, well, He he's never ahead of time or behind. In fact, time God's the only one time doesn't mean anything to you, at least in this life. For you and I, we're creatures of time. We got, we're going to start at 9 o'clock. So that means I had to get up at 6 o'clock. That's not my normal getting up time. See, I've been retired for a long time. Well, I don't know if you call it that or not. I hadn't been working outside the church house. I did substitute work for about 14 years. When I went to church, I was a full-time pastor. I I had to go to church and spend four hours a day at the church, five days a week. That was part of my thing. I had two salary adjustments went on the first couple of years the first one was they used to pay my utilities and they said no we can't be paying his utilities. we don't have to do that anymore. so that's the first salary adjustment I got i had to start paying my own utilities the second salary adjustment I got was oh a few months later in it they the 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 treasurer comes says we got to do something because we don't have enough money to pay the pastor so they made a recommendation that they adjust my salary by a hundred dollars a week I was getting three hundred and twenty five dollars a week and then I got $225 a week. That's a lot of money. When you got kids trying to raise them, putting through school and stuff like that. So this is what I said. You're going to have to release me from this full-time position. I didn't come here for the money. I'm not here for the money. I don't go for the money. I did that one time, and I promised God I'd never worry about the money from now on. you in charge of the money. You take care of it. You know, God's always been faithful. Yes, you, yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never, I, I haven't, He's just always been faithful. We've never, you can look at me, we don't go hungry. He's been blessed. We pay our bills. I don't understand all of that. But God's in control of all this. In the fullness of time, he's always on time. When it comes time for stuff to happen, God delivers. Yeah. But watch what he says here. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, to that we might, did you get this? receive the adoption of sons now that process began before the foundation of the world but it took place whenever he quickened your dead spirit that's what we call predestination the only possible way that can take place is because God had put it in plan and in action before the foundation of the world he called us chose us out he did all of it he did it for his pleasure and not yours did you know the Bible is not about salvation? Let me say that to you one more time so that you get, don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you. The Bible is not written about salvation. Now, by the way, that's where we get our salvation. We're we quickened by the Word of God. we regenerated by the Word of God. I read that in the book of 1 Peter. Man, I got into that and I thought, wow, that's good stuff because I'm a biblicist. Speaking of biblicists, I found out something in this passage that the preacher just, uh, the, the Zephaniah, where was it? Zephaniah. He's talking to Jerusalem. Now, listen to me. I'm a biblicist. I tell you that. I, I believe checking these things out. All of those pronouns that he's reading, they're singular thee, thy, thou, and thine. But he's talking to Israel. <laughs> and when he's talking to Israel, He's talking to the whole nation of Israel but he's not talking to all Israel because I read in the Bible not all Israel is Israel. Only those that are Israel from the inside. And by the way, there's no, listen to me, there's no difference. When anybody is saved, whenever God does the work for anybody, he does every single person the exact same way. The experience may be a little different but the process is the same. And When he spoke to them, there's always in the plural till he got toward the end of that, and then he said her. And then he got back to the, I mean, in the secret, then he got back to the plural. Isn't that something? What's good for the goose is good for the little gooselings. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you young preachers listen to me. I'm, I'm only 76, but I've been in this business for over 50 years. And I'm telling you, the same truth that was true 50-something years ago is just as much true today as it was then. You can't come in here changing this gospel message up. You've got to stay right here with this book. That's how God has predetermined it to happen in his sovereignty. Now, here's a second word that I've got. It's called preservation. Now, I read that in my text, that it, which is effective to security. Let me give you a verse or two for that. I love this kind of stuff. Man, this just blows my mind. Back in Jude, it says, uh, back in our opening text, who are sanctified by God the Father. Now, watch this and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, what that preserved means is that that's your security. You cannot keep yourself saved by doing good works. All right? I don't care what anybody says about that. If you're going to be saved from now to then, now don't misunderstand, this is not a license to sin. When you stay with the book, you find out, what, we're under grace, we're going to get sin. God forbid. Hey, what, he, ta- he talked about the Jew over there. He mentioned the Jew, the Jews. Somebody talked about the Jew. What advantage have the Jews? Much in every way. Now did you know that the Bible was written by Jews? That's why God told that woman at the well, salvation's of the Jews. No Samaritans wrote any book in the Bible. Let that soak in a little while. Huh? No Gentiles wrote any book of the Bible. Somebody said, Luke was, I don't think so. I don't understand all I know about that, but I don't think so. Because it but here's what God did. He has extended it. But that's what He's said. Purposed in his mind. Right. To the Jew first. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first. Figure that out. Now by the way God don't have a plan B. No. Who was it the other day said God never learned what, one single thing. Now people say that about me quite often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're not often wrong. I am. If you'll get my witness from my wife, I am hard headed. Well, most of you people who know me know that already. That's not that's not a good trait, by the way. I'm not bragging, but that's not what he, that's not what he saw me when God. See, God don't have to learn anything uh, because He knows everything. I don't understand all I know about this omni stuff. See, when I grew when I first started preaching, we was on our way to Myrtle, Mississippi. And my preacher, my pastor that I surrendered to preach under, and another preacher coming down from Freeport, Texas, they was going together, and they got to start, started talking about this millennial position, premillennial, and all millennial, and all that stuff. And they looked back at me and said, "Brother Barney, why do you?" I said, "I don't have a clue what y'all talking about. <laughs> what do you mean?" Talk to Find me that premillennial stuff in the Bible. Give me a word about premillennial or amillennial in the scripture. I didn't read that in there nowhere. Then they started talking to me what they was talking about. Oh, yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was confused about impeccability. I didn't have a clue what that word meant. I was pastor of my first full-time Baptist church over in Chester, Texas, and had a friend named Herman Knight come in and preach a revival meeting. Here's what we was going to do, preach early, get out early, and say, I was in Chester, and it's a class B school. We was going to go to a football game. And a couple of three preachers showed up. that They didn't know was coming. They preached for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then when it got done, they was all standing around out there talking with this preacher and was this preacher. And they said, Impeccability. He said, Brother Brown, what do you believe? He said, Oh, yeah, that's what I believe. So, so we got home that night. I said, Brother Herman, Brother Herman, why in the world is impeccability? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if all they believed, I was bound to believe that, too. You know what I found out? I believed it. Yeah. 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 Now, this is how they explained it to me, Jesus. Would not sin. Jesus did not sin. Jesus could not sin. Why could he not sin? Couldn't he have sinned if he wanted to? He couldn't have wanted to. If he could have wanted to sin, he could not be who he claimed to be. Right. Right. Now listen, don't get mad at me, but I'm going to explain this to you. Jesus did not have a dual nature. He did not have a hypostatic nature. What are you talking about? He never took on Adam's nature. Find that in the Bible. Here's what he did. And somebody mentioned this, God never quit being God. Christ never quit being God when he came to this earth. And if you you find that hard to believe, what he did was made himself of no reputation. Now, it only applied to living people. Y'all listen, I'm helping you. I'm trying to help you. It only applied to living people, that reputation part. Because when he showed up and were some of those men that were filled with evil spirits they came to run into him you know what they said i know who they are the son of the most high god they recognized right off who that was because his reputation was not hidden to them because it was a spiritual matter but christ never had the nature of adam if he'd have had the nature of adam he'd have been just like brandon white was and had had been redeemed some children's books writing stuff about the baptism of Jesus and I read about that they've been placing that on Facebook hope nobody gets a hold of that and when he got to the baptism part John said oh I need to be baptized you and Jesus said hey I come to the river to have all of my sins washed away God forbid if that's the kind of Jesus you got that's not the son of God Jesus is not a man who became God he's the God who became the God who became man And in that God section of it, that's where we get our security. He's the one who keeps us and preserves us. Let me give you a reference. And only those who are his sheep are in that preserved condition. Look with we'll me in John chapter 10. I know you're familiar with this stuff, but I'm just giving it to you. I'm trying to hurry. I'm going to start at verse 25. And Well, let me start at verse um, 22. And he was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. I told you and I've been telling you. I've been telling you that since I got baptized by John. He might have told them that at the time he came to the, when he's 12 years old, when he came to the Passover feast. Remember that? He, he mesmerized those doctors and lawyers and scribes at 12 years old. You know how he didn't learn that stuff in 12 years. He invented that stuff because he's omniscient. But here's what he said. I have told you and you believe not. That's the problem. Well, listen, I didn't always believe. I got baptized when I was about seven years old. Let me explain to you why that happened. It might have been seven. My Sunday school teacher had the prettiest little old daughter I ever met in my life. And I wanted her to be my girlfriend. But I knew my Sunday school teacher knew me. And he wouldn't have no part of that. In fact, he made it plain. So one day I decided I'd fix that. I went down the altar, signed me up, I sit right over there they signed me up, wrote my name on there I, I signed the card said, prayed the sinner's prayer and they gave the, after the invitation, it was over and they had me come stand here, called my mama down to stand beside me and they all come by and they was excited and happy it did not impress, his name was Simi Corley, it did not impress him, not one bit my mama looked down at me and it was all over with And she said, do you know what you're doing? I did. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. But that's not what she was thinking. But I told her what she wanted to hear. Now, here's what I did. I stood, by the way, I was pretty good at this, Brother Brandon. I stood flat-footed, looked up in her face and didn't blink an eye and lied. I said, yes, ma'am, I know exactly what I'm doing. But I did. But whenever the Lord got hold of me, I was on that back row, way back here in the back. We didn't change churches by that time. As a fire-breathing, Bible-preaching, brimstone and fire stuff. C.D. Sewell, he was the preachingest man I ever met in my life. Sitting way back here, and I was sitting way back here in the back, and the Holy Ghost got hold of me. And he showed me that I was a dirty, listen, a dirty run stinker, yeah. sinner, wow. who deserved to die and go to hell. Amen, yeah. Amen, preacher. Amen. I come Hallelujah. running down that aisle. He didn't even start the song yet. He just started praying. I come running down that aisle. And he said, What do you need? He said, If I don't get saved today, I'm going to die and go to hell. That's how desperate I was. But see, I believed. But then I didn't believe. Now I believe. And he said, Well, you can't do that. You're a member of the church. I, said, I don't care. I just don't care. That's not, uh, I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. I believe if, I don't, if I'm not saved today, I'll die and go to hell. Now that's what the violent do. They take it by force. They take it by storm. I couldn't have it, man. Got to do this today. I can't live another day. Now, look at me. That I was nine years old. I wasn't about to die, I don't guess. <laughs> oh, but I scared if I did, I was in much, much trouble. I'm talking about... See, I didn't understand all of that stuff. But whenever I get into this thing, I I was going to try to keep myself saved. But that don't work. I finally learned that the only way that I can be saved is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me go on and read this a little bit more. But he said, I've told you this, but you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me, but you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep... Hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give them. I give them. I give them. They don't work for eternal life. I give them. Whatever good work the Lord's beginning us, he's going to perform. It's been said already. To the day of Jesus Christ. There's not any question about that. Now, according to sound... Biblical doctrine, by the way, that word doctrine in our real Bible is a good term. Did you know the word doctrine in the real Bible, when it's used in the singular, is always talking about the true doctrine of God? When the word doctrines in the plural, I'm talking about in your King James Bible, when it's in the plural doctrines, it's always talking about doctrines of men. You find that in Matthew 15, 9. Why do you transgress? Why do you trans teaching for traditions, doctrines of men? Transgressing the commandments of God? Doctrines of devils in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Strange doctrines in Hebrews chapter number 13. The doctrine of God is always true. And it's biblical. And that's what we're preserved by. Now here's a third word. It's perseverance. Now listen to me. Yes, In these last days, people are getting perseverance confused with preservation. All right. yeah. I, I read it on Facebook all the time. I say a word or two about that. and Of course, as soon as I do, folks get mad at me. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> but did you know your perseverance is not what keeps you saved. You've heard about the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man being like a railroad track. Sovereignty of God here, the responsibility of man here. You can't have a railroad track without both. They're both real. Did you know you're responsible to God? God says turn and turn and they can't turn, but they're still responsible to turn. Same thing with you. I was responsible to God. When I stand before God, I've, if, if, if I had died in my sins and stand before God, I had no excuse. It's in the Bible over and again. If you read the book of Romans, the first chapter, it'll explain that to you very clearly. We live in, in Roman, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following morally in our nation today. That's the democratic platform. I didn't mean to get political. I don't even like politics. But I'm just telling you the truth. Wow. I got on, somebody started sending me emails about the Democrats, the Democrats, and would you vote Democrat? I'd rather die than vote Democrat. Yeah, if you that, yeah. I would, I'm just telling you the truth. The for, the for, for years and years, if, if I never voted in a primary uh, political race in our county because they didn't have a Republican. All they had was Democrats. And Democrats was running against each other. And I didn't care which one of those birds won. By the way, I'll throw another thing out there and y'all gonna like me like for this a whole lot. I don't vote for women. Regardless of what party they're in. You gotta be kidding me. Ask my wife if I'm kidding. Well, what are you gonna do then if there's no man running? I said, I just don't vote. Well, that's a vote for, you can call it whatever you want to, but that, my conscience is clear. All right, just thought I'd say that perseverance it was already talked about here's the perseverance we read verses 8 and 9 in Ephesians chapter 2 we almost always leave out verse 10 see we don't work because to be saved we work because we are saved now I don't know if you understand this or not but if you read verse 10 in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 that same predestinating work that predestined you to be adopted to the children of God is the same predestinated work, destinated work that predestined you to do good works that He has foreordained that you walk in there. I'm right. right. preaching my deacon's funeral Monday. I, I thought about preaching that sermon. I preached at a Psalm chapter. It was, Psalms are not a chapter. Leave that alone. Psalms 23, verse number four. I'm on. I, I just love that. uh let me, let me read it to you. I got it right here. Uh, what an interesting thought these things are. So why did you preach that at a funeral? Because this is my deacon. Yea, uh, 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 though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. This is what my deacon did. He was the epitome of that verse of scripture. He walked. He walked. What's his walk? Here's his walk. It was a vocation. Y'all looking at me like that's not in the Bible. And not a vacation. It was his calling and not a career. He walked. He walked as dear children. Like God walked in love. That was already mentioned here. And his peace. He didn't have to fear evil because he knew he was walking with his God. So the one that was walking with him for him, bow, that means God Himself is with us. That's the perseverance part. But that's not what our perseverance is not what keeps us safe. It's his preserving power that enables us to persevere. Yeah. I love it. It's his work. In us, Sovereign God has predestined souls to salvation and because the son of God has purchased those souls he has preserved them and he's predetermined that the purchase salvation of the purchase possessions rather will walk as dear children persevere now. We got these free willers. See, I don't know anything about the Free Will Baptist Church. We got one in our community. First Free Will Baptist Church of Carthage, Texas. I hadn't been in that church I'm at now for just a few months. And the pastor of the first Free Will Baptist Church showed up at my front door. We sat out on the front steps of my church and talked and talked and talked and talked. And they run him off for preaching the security of the believer. Over and again, they said, you quit doing that. And he didn't. And they fired him. I don't know what that means. Now, he finally went on to some charismatic stuff. I was hoping he'd come and say it with me while I'd help him. And I'm just saying that facetiously, by the way. (laughs) I do want to help people, by the way. But I found out just a few months ago that he's back to pastor, the first, first free will Baptist church of Carthage Texas after 30 Four years he's back pastoring that church I don't know what happened but there he is but here's the main thing is God is the one who does persevering. he causes you to do that now listen there are let me see I'm going to read this to you because my good friend brother Johnny Carter a lot of you people know Johnny Carter some of you don't but Johnny Carter is one of the brothers I love Johnny Carter as much as one man can love another without being considered funny Now, you can take that any way you want to, but it's the truth. I do. That's how close I am to Johnny Carter. He says there are, what? No, no, no. There are results in salvation and the calling of God that are also requirements. (laughs) In other words, you have to call on Jesus to be saved. That's not praying a sinner's prayer, by the way. You have to confess Christ is your Lord and Savior. You have to repent. You have to do that. But those are results that happen. You have to endure to the end. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. But that's not what gets you saved. It's being saved. And you have to endure to the end. Persevere. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible, the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm done. Thank you, brother. I love you. I appreciate it. Thank you for trusting me there. Amen. I got to go back here. <laughs> After that.